Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with America's ambassador on success, Steve Galagos. He is an international speaker, trainer, award-winning author, and authority on personal development and communications. Through lessons learned as a U.S. Marine, law enforcement officer, singer-songwriter, recording artist, board-certified civil trial lawyer, internet startup founder, and published commercial photographer. He delivers unparalleled real-world training and guidance to his audiences. He is also the founder and president of the Voices of Impact Awards, the premier event which celebrates and equips people with stories that inspire humanity. We get into this and so much more. Enjoy this interview. I'm wonderful. How are you today? Outstanding. Thank you very much for that question. Yes, thank you for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. I appreciate you for giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. So before we get into your life, very interesting life, I'm, I'm curious, how did you survive COVID? You know, you, you're a community-driven person. How did that time period change you, and, and how did you get through it? That is a uh, great question, Joe, and as you can probably tell, it was difficult for me because I'm very people-oriented. I thrive on relationships and connections, one-on-one -on -one conversations, and uh, I've built numerous businesses and um, quite successfully through that process. Um, COVID was a real shock and a surprise to us because, um, you know, while the whole world's getting sick, I understand, but I still wanted to go out and play. Um, and we weren't able to do that. So um, fortunately, I, I do love and adore my wife. And so we got to spend even more time together um, than we were already spending. Um, so that was great. And then it, it got me to put my creative juices in, in play to figure out our next move. You know, okay, we're locked in the house here. Uh, we can only go, actually, we escaped on the weekends. We live in beautiful Denver, Rocky Mountains, and so on the weekends, we would escape into the mountains and take photographs and do hiking and those kinds of things. So we did get out, but we weren't just able, we were just not able to really connect with people and make friends. Um, and we're new here in this community in Denver, so that was kind of uh, difficult for both of us. But like I said, it got my creative juices flowing and we were able to put some new businesses into play uh, that we have been thinking about uh, years prior. So you are the epitome of a renaissance man. I mean, you, you use the right and left side of your brain pretty heavily. And, and I'm going to boil all of this down to something that everybody can understand. So I want to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. And one of the kids looks up and says, what do you do for a living? How would you explain that? Um, there's things that I currently do and there's things that I used to do. Uh, I do whatever I feel in my heart is fun. And when it's no longer fun, I can move on to something else. But strangely enough, everything that I've done is kind of connected and interrelated, uh, which means uh, that I'm on the right path. Right now, primarily, what is, what is, what is it you, that you do right now, primarily? Right now, I help people share their stories. I created a company called the Voices of Impact Awards, which is a platform for everyday people to come and share their heroic and inspiring stories um, so that they can contribute to the world, and we have uh, prizes for them uh, for doing so. so. Isn't that a wonderful aspect of our modern living with podcasting and opportunities that you're providing? Really, I think the stories are the things that are going to kind of bridge this gap between 
the black and white that we have in society with, you know, the polarization. Do you find that that's kind of the grand equalizer for people? I, I think, yeah, your voice is your great equalizer. It doesn't matter where you come from, what your education is, whether you have money or not, or what you do for a living. If you know how to use your voice and uh, speak up for yourself and for others, then, yeah, certainly you can change the world. I've always seen it as the great equalizer, someone that grew up in the uh, in the arena of law as a trial lawyer. I didn't go to Harvard or Yale or Princeton uh, like a lot of my uh, colleagues did. However, there was one thing I knew how to do, which was connect with people uh, by using my voice and telling stories. And so I was able to run circles around a lot of um, highly educated uh, lawyers um, who could cite, you know, the civil code backward and forward and tell you what's on paragraph two at page 733, um, but they didn't know how to connect with other humans as a human being. And so if you learn how to use your voice and tell your story correctly, you can sell anything to anyone. You can get dates. You can get married. You can buy a house. You can do anything. Absolutely. So how did you get the title America's Ambassador on Success? Somebody gave me that a couple of years ago because they recognize, much like you did that, I've done a lot of things and been successful in a variety of careers, and all of that was by design. I didn't set out to be successful in each of those careers, but it just happened that I kept transitioning and moving up, stepping up into a greater level, a greater level of responsibility, and finding success in each one of those roles. Obviously, there were challenges along the way. There were obstacles, um, discrimination, and those kinds of things that I had to overcome and deal with. But I think it's because I've been successful uh, in a variety of roles uh, as a singer-songwriter, as a lawyer, as a U.S. Marine, as a police officer, as a uh, public speaker, um, as a trainer and coach, um, that people say you are literally the the ambassador of what success is. And so I think it was like six, seven years ago, someone gave me that, and I said, you know what, I like it. And so we ran with it. Absolutely. So you have picked probably some of the hardest professions and walks of life to get involved with. And I'm curious, take me back to your childhood. Talk to me about where you were born and raised and how these seeds of motivation got into you. Uh, Joe, it was um, purely by accident. I grew up thinking or being programmed that I was good for nothing. That's what my parents called me. It seemed that uh, since I was early on, three or four years old, uh, I couldn't do things right in their eyes. Um, and so... Growing up thinking that I was good for nothing and being called good for nothing, the more good for nothing I became. So it's a message to the, those parents out there listening, be careful what you say to your kids because whatever you're telling them that they are, they're going to probably become more of that until they figure out that they have the capacity and the ability to make a change. So by the time I'm 17 years old and in high school, um, I'm wanting to commit suicide. I tried several times to commit suicide, but something kept telling me, don't do it, don't do it. Um, and I'm growing up in the uh, suburb of Chicago at this time. And so um, what happened was uh, my girl, my high school girlfriend at the time gave me a book by Norman Vincent Peale called The Power of Positive Thinking. And I read some of the book. I honestly can tell you that I didn't understand 99% of what I read, but there were seven words in there that impacted me 
which were change your thoughts and change your life. Now, I didn't know what it meant to change your thoughts. I didn't know it was possible, but I knew that I could change my life because I had run away from home several times before and I enjoyed the experience. So I said, well, I'm going to change my life by again running away, but this time I'm 17 and so I ran away to join the Marine Corps. Talk about jumping from the frying pan into the fire. Uh, but it was during those 13 weeks of boot camp that I discovered that I wasn't the good for nothing that my parents and other adults in my life had previously programmed me to believe that I was. Um, and I did it all by, um, I discovered it all because I, I helped three other individuals that were in my, in my, uh, basic training class who were primarily Spanish speaking. They were really struggling with the academics because of the language. I took them, we would go into the showers uh, every night after everyone had gone to bed and we would study that day's materials and I would translate it from English to Spanish, we would discuss it and then I would have them answer me the questions in English so I knew they understood it. Well, a couple of weeks went by and one of the drill instructors came and found us at 2.30 in the morning in the shower sitting on the floor thinking that we were doing something stupid. What would 17-year-olds, couple, you know, four 17-year-olds at 2.30 in the morning be doing in the shower? So he thought he was going to catch us doing something outrageous. And um, once he found out that all we were doing was studying and I was helping these guys, he said, carry on. Well, Fast forward to the end of boot camp, I scored number one in the class, my three friends scored in the top 10, but as a result of that act that no one had asked me to do, no one had suggested it, I did it on my own, I helped these guys through, um, I was awarded the platoon honor man uh, designation, which is the equivalent of a valedictorian. Uh, given my first rank of private first class and awarded the marine dress blue uniform, that beautiful uniform that's known all over the world. And so that was my first big lesson that it, I can achieve my dreams helping others achieve theirs. And um, simply all I did was took my eyes off myself and put it on someone else that was struggling. And that's where I, my first lesson, how I knew that I had value, that I had something worthwhile to, to give to the world. And that's been my trajectory since then. So as bad as it is to have people around you that are saying things that, you know, just putting you down, do you ever look at back on your life and think that was very instrumental for the way that you developed and became who you are? 100%, because if I hadn't had that experience, I wouldn't have had the uh, the contrast. I wouldn't have had the framework within which to discover that I was something completely different, right? And so I think that we're all faced with these challenges and struggles, not just for the sake of going through the struggle, but this is this is our test. This is this is what we came here to learn uh, in many respects: is that how to get through this, how to break through this, and then what we can become as a result of it. So has your family acknowledged all of your accomplishments and who you are? Is there a different um, a different relationship? Uh, absolutely. With my mom, I'm now her, and for years now, we, we've resolved our issues. And it's in large part because I came to learn and recognize that this wasn't who she really was, right? It's it's what she did. It's what she said. It's what she, it's how she behaved and acted based upon what she learned and how she grew up being taught that, hey, you can beat the shit out of your kid, but as long as you say, I love you, that's that's all what counts. Um, and so once I recognized that that's how she grew up and the, how she was trained, 
to to display and express love, then I felt a certain level of compassion for her. And I was able to create a completely new, different relationship that we have now where she considers me out of all her kids. They're all her favorite. I'm sure, I'm sure she tells them that privately, but she says that to me privately. So, yeah, so we have a great relationship now. So in those years where you were really struggling and, and even after that, who would you have considered a hero or a role model that really fueled you and made you want to be better? Um, you know, Back in those days, uh, Joe, the only thing that I could do that could make anybody smile and applaud and pay attention to me was sing. And so I, I was like a Pavlov dog. Any opportunity that I had to sing in front of others, I would do that. And so my objective was to become the modern-day Julio Iglesias uh, because he was adored the world over. He had sold multi-millions of, of records. And so I wanted to be that, thinking that that is how you get love, respect, and admiration in the world. So as a kid, that's what I wanted. I I, I really followed all of the musicians growing up in um, the Detroit Motown era, growing up in Chicago. Of course, that was my big influence. So I grew up you know, really admiring and, and, and liking the Jackson Five and Michael Jackson and his brothers and the Osmonds and the Temptations and, and those groups. And that's what I wanted to be. So I was inspired by, by music. Music is what kept me going. Music is what kept me alive at the time. So talk to me a little bit about your music career. How did, how did that transpire and, and, and how did that become something that you really wanted to pursue? Again, because I, <clears throat> when I was a kid, and feeling I was good for nothing, quite often when the neighbors came over to visit with my mom, the neighbor ladies, et cetera, for tea, um, she would say, mijo, mijo, come and sing for the neighbor. Come and sing, come and sing, come and sing. And so that to me was love because I was getting attention. So that to me was respect and admiration because people were applauding and saying, more, more, we want more of you. So I started singing when I was young, seven, eight years old in school, and I would get the solos, and I would get the attention. So this was my life's lesson that, hey, this is how you get love as you sing. And so I went on into my young adult uh, life wanting to, like I said, uh, become the modern-day Julio Iglesias. And I, um, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I moved to Los Angeles, and I was pursuing my career there, uh, built a what I'd say a, a really nice career, really nice following. I had some uh, level of success. I finally uh, recorded my um, my first CD um, in the year 2000 um, with my original music, and that uh, CD was uh, considered for a Grammy in a variety of categories. But I, throughout all this, Joe, there was something missing. While I really loved the limelight and I aspired to it, I, I felt very depressed when I wasn't on stage. I felt very depressed when I wasn't in front of an audience. I felt very depressed and anxious when I wasn't singing. And it it dawned on me that um, what I was chasing was not really the desire for fame and fortune. Yeah, I wanted to be the next Julio Iglesias, but not for those same reasons that he was Julio Iglesias. What I was looking for was love. And once I realized that love is what I was after, then it dawned on me also that there were other ways to get it. Because it turned out that I didn't like the music industry at all. I was also a music uh, entertainment lawyer at the time. And so I got to see the inside of the industry that is just so negative and so predator. Um, uh, there's so many predators, right? Um, 
just uh, taking advantage of people with dreams and hopes and desires. And it's just a really, really negative environment if you don't know how to navigate your way through it. And so once I figured that out, I had to ask myself, why do I love this industry so much if it's so negative and it causes so much pain and heartache? And once I realized that it, I was looking for love, I said, okay, well, I'm out because there's other ways that I can get love. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. If you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and have a conversation with them, who would you like to meet? Uh, Richard Branson. I'd love to meet Richard Branson because he, like me, is a rule breaker. Um, he started, he doesn't follow anything in the traditional sense. And not to say that, you know, you should just go around breaking rules and not paying attention to uh, an orderly society. Uh, those rules exist for a reason. But I'm talking about the kinds of rules where, for example, I became a lawyer and I don't have a bachelor's degree, which is a requisite for a lawyer. But I was able to get into law school because of my experience as a police officer, my experience as a Marine, and I was able to pass what they call the the entrance exam. And so I got in to a private school in California. Um, and so I've done a lot of those things. For example, I became a, a citizen by asking then-President Ronald Reagan uh, for his help to do that. I personally met him. I had the opportunity while I was parking cars, going to law school at night, and we got our company got the um, the gig to serve Ronald and uh, Nancy's. Uh, they were Ronald was having a party for Nancy's birthday at the Western White House in Santa Barbara, California, and so we got the gig, and I was one of the ones chosen and investigated by the Secret Service to provide the valet service. And during a break in the action. Uh, one of the agents comes up and says, you guys want to meet the president? And says, sure. And I said, well, okay, don't talk to him. Wait for the photographer to set up and just stand there and, you know, have your photo taken. Well, <clears throat> while we're standing there, I'm standing next to the president of the United States, and I look at him and say hello, and he says, hey, do you have any questions for me? He says, matter of fact, I do. And I was having trouble. I had applied several times to get become a citizen of the United States, I was born in Chile, um, came to this country when I was seven, um, and I served as a Marine and in the uh, as a police officer without having been a citizen. So here I am, I've applied. I'm also uh, subject to deportation because my passport had expired, my temporary visa had expired, and that's a, another long story. So I asked the president for his help, and he says, you know what, when I get back to the White House, I'll look into this, so send me a letter. And I did. I sent him a letter with all of my commendations, my history, everything. And a couple months later, I receive a call while I'm at work at the parking lot from the commissioner of the INS himself, who says, President Reagan forwarded me your letter, and I'm calling to tell you that we're in the process of uh, completing your application. And so sure enough, here I was, you know, a couple months later being sworn in as uh, America's newest citizen. So Richard Branson, uh, to answer your question, is the person that I would love to meet and sit down with um, and, and just ask him some really cool questions about how he did things and, and what he's got planned for the future. Wow, that's a wonderful story. Um, th let me ask you this. In the realm of art, you know, as a singer-songwriter, what was the album for you, or what was the art or book? What was the thing that really opened up your mind and made you embrace art in a whole new way? 
I would read, when I was pursuing my career as a uh, singer-songwriter performer, I would read every single book on the subject, um, how to write, how to uh, get published, how to perform, how to, the business of music. And so uh, I think one of the most impactful um, movie or uh, books for me was called The, the, um, uh, the Hit Makers, which was a story. I think Reardon was the author's name. I forget his first name, R-I-O-R-D-A-N. Uh, it was called The Hit Makers, and it's the story about the power players in the music industry and how the music industry really works with the pay-to-play, payola, you know, getting paid under the under the table and the whole history of this whole thing. And that really opened my eyes to what the music industry really was at the time and how it operated. And so that was one of the springboards for me to um, start to find ways to get out of the music industry. So when you lean back in the proverbial easy chair at the end of the day and think about your life and all of the things that you've done and accomplished – what are you the proudest of? I'm the proudest of what I haven't accomplished yet because what I'm working on now with the Voices of Impact Awards is bigger than anything that I've ever done. It's a culmination of everything that I have done, bringing it together, um, and it just highlights and, and really underscores my mission in life, which is to bring other people along with me. I've had some great successes, and I've had some huge failures too. It hasn't all been you know, uh, a beautiful roller coaster. I mean, you know, uh, rainbows and, and tops of mountains. I've had some real deep valleys, you know, that include bankruptcies and divorces and those kinds of things, um, which are par for the course. Uh, but yet my mission has never faltered, which is to any time that I have been given an opportunity to go on stage or to go to a party or to do something, the first thing I ask is, can I bring others with me? Right, because I recognize that these opportunities aren't for me, for myself, but it's for me to open the doors to other people. And so with the Voices of Impact Awards, we're doing that. <clears throat> we launched it in September, and it's a platform for people to come and share their stories so they can become the heroes. Um, because I've been the hero enough. I've had so many people come up to me and say, Steve, thanks for sharing your story. You really moved me, inspired me. You, 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 you motivated me to do something other than try and commit suicide, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, well, great. I'm, I'm so glad that my story touched you in that way. But you know what? You're just as powerful. You, you're just as remarkable. Go share your story. And it dawned on me, Joe, that there's really no place for the average person to share their story. Right? Oh yeah, there's social media, but the only people that listen to you now on social media are your mom and dad and maybe your cat. And maybe your cat now and then ignores you. Um, so that's why we, so that's why, why we created this. So of all the wisdom that you've accumulated over your life, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. Let's say you have a dream tonight and you run in to your 20 year old version and you can give that version of you a piece of advice based on what you've learned throughout your life. What would you tell that young version? That is a beautiful question, Joe. I would tell that young version that uh, you are not your story. Because that young version of me, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I was a loser. I was uh, good for nothing. I was headed nowhere. Um, and that's the story that I believed. Had someone told me at the time that you are not your story story, right? Something that I've since learned. You're in the story. You're an actor 
playing a part in this story. In this case, Steve, you're the victim. In this case, you're the hero. In this case, you're the aggressor, right? But you are not your story. You're actually the writer, producer, and director of your story. So take your victim hat off, put on your writer hat, and rewrite the parts of the story that aren't working for you. Rewrite the parts you don't like, and then produce it, bringing the people that will play out the parts that will allow you to become the hero in that story. Right, And then you direct them. And if just like a, a film or television producer today or radio show producer or whatever, someone's not doing their part, you fire them and you bring in someone new. Absolutely. You know, you kind of did some foreshadowing with, you know, your accomplishments and what you have next. And I'm thinking as the world has opened up since, you know, kind of COVID has slowed down, has your itinerary sped up? Are there things that you're kind of doing in a way that maybe you hadn't planned on to get some some things accomplished in your life? You know, I'm still pursuing um, the appearances, but I'm doing it differently now. As a result of COVID, uh, we were forced to the digital platforms, Zoom primarily, to conduct interviews. And so you didn't have to travel to go and meet people or to meet people from across the, the world. And it's a beautiful thing because now, uh, in order to promote the Voices of Impact Awards, whereas previous to COVID, I would go to networking events and meetings and those kinds of things, get in my car and put miles on, uh, you know, board airplanes. Now I'm doing everything here from the safety and comfort of our home uh, via Zooms, just like this. This beautiful interview that I'm having with you uh, is all being done through digital format. And so that's what we're using. And so I absolutely love it. You know, I remember hearing somebody a long time ago talk about how, you know, social media and the and the digital connections we have sometimes gets a really bad rap. But I think at the end of the day, it's just like you said. It's really a conduit to, to a community that we're fostering and we're, we're staying in touch with because the reality is, is that I'm not just on here perusing. I'm actually having real conversations and really getting to the heart of it. And in the business that you're doing now, now that you're transitioning into that, do you kind of feel that that's the way it is? Absolutely, and I agree with your statement, Joe, 100%. It's social media and the technology we have is nothing more than a tool. And like any tool, you can misuse it, right? You could take a chainsaw and create havoc with it, or you could build a house with it. Right? It's all in how you use the tool. And so if you use these tools properly, not to go out and, and, you know, get lost and, and get confused and, um, and, and just, you know, get caught up in all the turmoil and all the drama that a lot of people are creating on there. You can use this tool effectively to build beautiful relationships. Like I now have a relationship with Joe Domino and, you know, I hadn't met him before and I probably wouldn't have been able to meet you unless we had this tool to connect us, right? You've got your show, we've got this phone, we've got the ability to connect and learn about each other. And, and now we can, uh, moving forward, you know, continue building on this relationship where I can support you. Absolutely. So let me, let me ask you this. Of all of the different professions and walks of life that you've been in, everybody has had a perception of you. You know, your family has, your friends have, clients, colleagues, but ultimately you have always been in control and lived your life. What's your perception of who you are? Who do you think you are? Oh, another beautiful question. I think that I am uh, the person. It's a tough one. Um, I don't really think of myself 
when it comes to what I'm doing. In other words, th does that make sense? In other words, I'm, yeah. I'm not doing this to say I'm the greatest or I'm the best or I'm look at what I've done. And so I don't look at myself from that perspective. So when I look at myself, I say, I'm just like you. I'm no different than you. I'm a human being uh, experiencing life here on this earth, trying to do his best. And my best is making sure that others have opportunities, that others can be seen, can be heard, and that they can be recognized for the remarkable people that they are too. It almost seems as though it's like you don't think about eating, you just do it. It's a part of what you do. It's your diet. Exactly. It's, it's you, I wake up every day and, and this is what I do. And I say, okay, what new message can I put out there? Not, again, not how many followers can I get or, or you know, I don't check social media to see, you know, who's friending me or who's paying attention to me. It's all about what more can I give to these people? How much more? And what, how can I show up different for them so that they can see that they too have an opportunity? So, Tell me what has been the best client response, fan letter, any the best response you've ever gotten from somebody that's been that's experienced you and what you can do. Um, that one's easy. Several years ago, when I wrote my book called "How to Live Remarkably: Proven Strategies to Solve Your Problems, Make Better Decisions, and Eliminate Stress," uh, someone that purchased and read the book. Uh, wrote to me and said that I saved their life because they too uh, had been wanting to commit suicide. And after reading my story and the book and the suggestions that I made in the book, they decided to make a different trajectory. And they did. And that to me is, is like, that's it. That's, that's what it's all about. Steve, I wanted to end everything on a triumphant note. I think that was it. Thank you for taking time out. Before we leave, I want to make sure that you get to the good business of letting everybody know where they can learn more about you and, you know, telling their stories and getting your book. Where can they go? Uh, Joe, thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity to interview and, and share a little bit about myself. The first thing I would tell people is to contact you. First of all, to thank you for producing this show and bringing uh, such beautiful people to their awareness that they can learn and be inspired from. So contact Joe and say, how can I reach Steve? Um, and if you can't reach Joe because he's super busy himself, uh, you can go to VOI, V as in Victor, VOIAwards.com. Um, I have a profile there uh, and you can learn more about me. You can send me emails and more uh, importantly, you can uh learn about yourself and register to become one of our storytellers, doiawards.com. Wonderful. Steve, thank you very much for opening up. It's been great to get to know you. Thank you for being gracious with your time. Joe, I appreciate you and everything you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, business, literature, spirituality, and music from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Mm -hmm.